Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hey! Welcome to Logged It. <laughs> this is episode 57. Uh, we're talking about courtroom movies. <laughs> These are movies that revolve around the courts. Uh, this topic was brought to us by one Maggie. I then asked her, do you want to be on the show? And she said, nah. So uh, there you go. <laughs> do with that what you will. Uh, this is going to be a fun show, though. We got a good panel here. People who talk about movies well, have good thoughts. Uh, I'm excited. We got Boatman here, as always, Caleb. I've never seen that door behind you open. What's back there? <laughs> You did. Sorry, that's that's just a bathroom. I'm sorry, that's the, the light Crazy. on. Uh, Cody, how's it going? You're also muted. Yeah, I normally mute myself in between. I'm getting better at it. Uh, I'm awful. I'm awful. Um, I went to work today. I went out to take a lunch. My car wouldn't start. I need my car for a six-hour trip that I'm planning on Thursday. Got that figured out. I also have a show that I do on this channel called YLS. I have nobody for my panel tomorrow. Like, Marvel and DC and everybody under the sun is scheduled at the exact same time as my show. So, the show might be canceled tomorrow. There's a shot. Other than that, I'm here to talk movies. I even forgot about this. And then you posted this is tomorrow. I'm like, oh yeah. Need to watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly real fast. Yeah, good thing it's a quick watch. Spoiler alert! I didn't finish it yet. So, uh, I've had a I've had a rough week. Uh, I, I yeah. So yeah, right. I did. I, I I will I will get there this month. Um, okay, and Kirk, you're here. Hey, how you doing? You're not muted. I was, but now I'm not because I muted myself Ooh, before I talked. Look at that. Happy to be here, Tim. Good. I love legal thrillers. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Nice. And then, uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, I asked you if you wanted to be on this one. You said, but I've talked about these on YLS. And I said, yeah, but you were good at it. You should come do it again. Uh, and now you're here. How are you doing? I'll twist my arm. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, I have to say the door open behind Boatman reminds me a little bit of a, a movie that was released in theaters uh, this weekend uh, that had some mysterious open doors. But um, we might talk about no that spoilers. later. No, yeah, no, I, I just there are open doors in the movie. That's all. That's all we're going to talk about it, I'm sure. Uh, but I want to take Cody to see that movie so bad, but he would hate it. Uh, so, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll probably talk about it because if 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 Scott doesn't bring it up, I it's don't. a barbarian, right? Is that the movie? We'll talk yes, about it. You should bring it up. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, our favorite movie that we logged this week. We're going to start with that the way that we always do. So, Boatman, why don't you kick us off? Uh, yeah, my favorite movie that I logged this week, um, I'm going to choose a new watch. And I think in terms of new watches, favorite movie that I logged this week was, you know what? I'm going to go one that Kirk has talked about before. 
High Plains Drifter. Uh, this is a Clint Eastwood Western. Uh, I described it as like a mix of fistful of dollars and needful things. Because basically you've got this stranger gunfighter who comes into town. And at first the town's kind of like, yeah. But then he shows off that he can fight. And they're like, okay, we want, we will give you anything you want if you come protect us. And he takes full advantage of that like completely manipulating that and manipulating the town. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, really like this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've never seen it, but I remember hearing about it from somebody. If you're saying it was Kirk, I believe you. Uh, it sounds interesting. Um, I've watched uh, the first two of the trilogy of films we're talking about later with good and bad and the ugly. And uh I enjoyed those uh, for the most part, so I'm I might expand further into uh, the Clint Eastwood westerns, but haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, Cody, have you seen this? No, Bowman just brought it up to me and told me I need to check it out. I have not seen it though. Uh, Kirk, what about you? Yeah, um, yeah, I've seen, I, I think I did talk about it on the show when I watched it. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, I'm glad Boatman watched it like that. I think Cody would too. Um, it takes that old, like, like standard Western trope of the town that needs protecting, but then it's like, what if the town doesn't deserve protecting? And it's just like a movie with like nobody to really like or root for, just like a lot of gross people and just kind of just waiting for everyone to get their comeuppance. Um, it's got like some like quasi mystical elements to it. It's 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 it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, one of uh, Eastwood's, I think this is the first western he directed, and um, he just you, you see right off the bat like you could see like the influence from Leon and everything and what he learned because um, it's it's a really great looking movie too. Uh, Scott, have you seen this one? No, I haven't. I've seen a fair number of Eastwood's Westerns, but um, this is one I haven't caught up with. But the description sounds interesting. The way y'all are talking about it makes it sound a little different. So I'll have to check it out. Okay. Um, Cody, let's go to you. Um, I say the best movie I watched this week. Um, uh, yeah, I forgot to log it. I'm looking back on it. I, I watched it right before um, I... Uh, for football season, I, I'm going with uh, Varsity Blues. Um, now, the reason why I'm going with that, not to get a rise or get anybody else to trash talk it, but Mark put it out there very well. For a person that grew up and football was their entire life, that was basically from kindergarten to 12th grade, that was all you knew. Um, this movie just, like, Wraps it up perfectly. I lived in Missouri. I did not have the crazy Texas, like, you know, it's, a, it's football, then school, then everything. But it was basically my entire life for majority of my life. Um, I just love the story between the characters. It fits very into the high school-like dynamic of the students. It's a little cheesy. It's no masterpiece. It's completely over the top. I could have brought uh, Remember the Titans up, but overall, I've talked about that movie at nauseum. But Varsity Blues, again, if you're going in for a football movie, it does everything it needs to. John Voigt being an awful, mean, vicious head coach of the team. Um, I mean, Paul Walker was like the injured quarterback throughout this. It's got some names throughout it. It's not 
<laughs> not acting. No one should watch this to become an actor. But to do kids around that age in like high school, it, they, they 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 nail it pretty well. Um, I have not seen this, but um, I like sports movies, even like kind of cheesy bad ones. I tend to at least enjoy a little bit. So I'd probably like this because I like football, but. I'm not like seeking it out by any means either. Uh, Kirk, uh, have you checked this one out? I saw it like when it was first uh, came out. Um, I remember not being a huge fan of it, but it's been so long since I've seen it that I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, I don't, really can't tear it apart because I don't remember too many details. Um, but it just, it, it kind of blends together with me for like with like Friday, like Friday Night Lights and like all those like high school, uh, the program or high school or college, I guess, kind of all like, morphed together in my head so you could tell me pretty much anything about a football movie the past 20 years and tell me it's for this movie i believe you uh scott what about you haven't seen it actually i do love football um but this is one i haven't watched I, you know i'm a huge fan of friday night lights the tv series uh which strikes me as probably being the better more nuanced version of this but i'm sure there's some entertainment value to be had here uh and boatman what about you uh, yeah, no, Varsity Blues, I don't like, but it's not the one, like, I think this is like, oh, it's kind of like a fun, bad type of movie, like, if I'm being honest, like, James Vanderbeek is doing something very silly, but it's not a movie that, like, annoys me, um, unlike the Friday Night Lights movie, which does, which these, those two movies have the same plot, they have the same plot, the difference is that Varsity Blues doesn't take itself seriously, and I respect that. Fair. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Uh, like we were alluding to, I'm going to talk about Barbarian. So um, this was, uh, this just came out in theaters this week. Um, on uh, Thursday, Maggie and I went and saw it. And um, I had a really, really good time with it. Um, there's, I, I again, <laughs> I want people to go see this and go in as blind as humanly possible. So like, I'll give you basically like the IMDB pitch, which is basically just, you know, girl shows up at a house. She, she's supposed to be staying there in an Airbnb. There's already somebody in the house. She was double booked um, and uh, creepiness ensues. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know to get in and uh, you should go see it. <laughs> um, I think uh, it, it didn't like it was so close to being that like five-star horror movie for me um it was really really close to getting there there were a couple things that i don't feel like landed quite the way i wanted them to but on the whole thought it was really really awesome um i like what the movie had to say um uh i thought that again the he, the names are all over the poster but the three um uh scott help me out what's the name of the lead actress georgina campbell what else has she been in because she was great not not really that much the only thing i've seen her in is the black mirror episode hang the dj which is the one about like the dating oh, service she's yeah i forgot about that okay cool but she's she was great <laughs> bill, uh bill skarsgård uh is in it and he's fantastic but i thought the standout was justin long like i think he he does such a such a good job here um he plays the part that he's supposed to play to a t and it, it's done really well but um overall i thought it was it's a super surprising movie 
Um, again, like go into it as blind as possible, but I think it has one of the most tense um, edge of your seat, suspenseful opening. What would you guys say? 40 minutes, maybe yeah. I would say roughly um, the, uh, like literally like the most I've been like uh, white knuckled in a movie in a, in a hot minute. And um, I really liked the ending too. I thought the ending was uh, really, really well done, but yeah, just a great movie. Like I said, I don't want to talk about it too much because the, I want you guys to just go see it. Trust me. Uh, so Cody, and Bo, <laughs> you guys haven't seen it, correct? No. no, the last time somebody labeled something the scariest movie I've ever made, uh, I got sucked into the green inferno, never following that sh- train wreck again I, I will i will say this i don't think this is the scariest movie ever made but it's a very uh tense one for sure um a, and honestly a really good theater experience like really really good theater experience um kirk did you see this i feel like i saw you review it right i have not seen it yet i want to uh friday afternoon i get a text from my daughter she's like oh my god dad i'm like what are you okay she's like um, I'm go- I'm I'm watching Barbarian. I'm like, okay, and she's like, I'm like, well, you, if you don't want to watch it, just leave. Like, don't you don't have to go? She's like, no, I'm in the middle of it right now. It's happening. She's like, I just I, this was a mistake. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm like, do you need to come pick you up? What's going on? So she comes home and she's freaking out. She starts starting to talk to me about it. like, don't say anything to me about it. I don't want to hear about it yet. So she takes Kathy of the room and Kathy, I guess she explains it to Kathy. Kathy walks back in the room, looks like she just witnessed a murder. And she's like, you should not go see that movie. And I'm like, why? She's like, because no one should ever see that movie. Oh, no. And I'm like, you know, you're just making me want to see it so much more now. So, yeah, definitely what I want to check out as soon as possible. Uh, Scott, you saw it. What do you think? Yeah, it's great. Um, You know, they really hide the ball well if you've seen the trailer, which I saw the trailer tons of times leading up to this movie. Um, but it doesn't let on at all what type of movie it is because I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks super generic and like really not that good, honestly. But then the reviews started coming out and people were saying, oh, this is malignant for this year. Um, so obviously I was pretty hyped when I went into it. Um, I will say, I don't think it goes as crazy as malignant does. I think, you know, there's nothing that really compares to like that last 20 minutes or so of malignant with, with Gabriel just yeah. going ham. Um but it gets moderately nuts, and it definitely has the same unexpectedness throughout the entire movie. Like, you really don't know what's going to happen from scene to scene, which makes it tense. And they do a really nice job of, like, sort of the Blair Witchy, like, fear of the unknown, right? You don't even know what's going to be around the corner. Um, and even when you you do, you don't know what, you know, what could happen as a result of that. It. They do a really nice job. And in general, I think what it shares with Malignant the most is that they're both really well made. Um, I was surprised because this movie is from a guy. Yeah, Garth mentions him in the comments, but he um, he's mainly known for comedy. This is his first horror film. But we've seen, obviously, this happening now. You know, Jordan Peele, obviously, is like the foremost horror director coming from a sketch comedy show. Um, and now, you know, Zach Kreger seems to be trying to do that. But this is a it's a very well-constructed movie. Visually, I think, really interesting, more so than your average horror movie. Um, and... And yeah, like they really, they really know how to make it, make it tense. I agree with you that I was definitely like white knuckling, you know, what is, what is, 
waiting around the corner. And I also think it's a it's a great, you know, theater movie for sure. I had people, you know, reacting and there, you know, it tries to be a little more thematic than Malignant. Like it tries to have a little bit of a message, whereas Malignant was just like a straight up freak show. And I think that part is probably the least successful part of it. But it doesn't really matter because, you know, it's just a roller coaster ride that I was happy to go on. So definitely go check it out. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to Kirk. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sup, T, and I are continuing our journey through the Godzilla movies. Nice. And uh, this week we watched Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Um, this is moving out of the Showa era. And it's moving, I believe it's called the Heisei era or the Heisei era or something like that. Uh, but anyway, this is like moving into the early, like late 80s, early 90s. Um, so the effects are all updated, but it's all still pra- very practical um, and really well done. And it's just a crazy, it's a crazy uh, movie, just completely bonkers. I guess they, the, the last movie that came, the last Godzilla movie came out before this got destroyed in the, at the box office by Back to the Future. So their remedy for that was to put time travel into this movie. And yeah. so there's like time travel, there's Terminator androids, uh, there's all other kind of really cool stuff going on besides Godzilla. And, it's, and that makes it more fun because that's really usually the downfall of these movies is what's what you have to watch and, you know, sit through uh, before the monsters get on screen and start punching each other. Uh, so that's like all the other stuff. Like it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, like the the miniature work is like looks more just solid and like. I don't know, like they're knocking it down. It looks more like they're knocking down road buildings. But like I said, it's all still practical. It's all still guys in suits. So it still has that charm to it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, there's time travel. King of Doors is just a giant three-headed dragon. Uh, he gets beat and comes back. And I won't spoil anything, but like kind of like new and improved. It's just like another round of the fight. Um, some really cool, you know, Godzilla moments. Um, so yeah, this one, like I said, this is the first one I watched from this uh, era of the movies. And I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Uh, I haven't seen this one. Like I said, uh, if it's not part of that first era, I, I don't own this one. I don't think, um, but I, I plan on getting through all of these, uh, relatively soon. Uh, Scott, have you seen this? No, I mentioned this before when Kirk brings, has brought these movies up. I'm not really a Kaiju person. I've seen like Godzilla versus Kong and that's it basically. Okay. Uh, Bowman. I haven't even seen Godzilla versus Kong. You didn't miss anything. Oh, Scott, you silly <laughs> man. It's a beautiful film. Beautiful. Hi, Tim. Nice to meet you. I'm Caleb Boatman. Nice to meet you, too. You'll enjoy it. Have a good time. Shut your brain off. Have a Mike's Hard Lemonade and enjoy yourself. Uh, Cody. Um, I have zero desire to watch anything from this. Um, he gave it three and a half stars, and he's talking like it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, no, thank you. Um, I, I need a giant ape in, uh, my Godzilla movies. I think that's where I determine because I don't like any of the really Godzilla movies, but when King Kong shows up, quality, quality. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Scott, let's move on to you. Kong bows to no man. Yeah. Just the deadly seriousness of that. Um, so I had, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I had, uh, rom-com week last week for the movie watching challenge that I'm doing and uh, so I watched a couple movies and uh, the one that I enjoyed the most was um, this movie Down With Love um, which is from the early 2000s. It's directed by Peyton Reed um, who directed the Ant-Man 
films most famously. Um, and this movie really deserves to be talked about more. It, it was it was kind of mixed reviews along when it came out, and I think has gotten more critical um, acclaim as time has gone on. Um, but it's set in the '60s, and the production design and everything is really like amazing. Like they they the '60s world is rendered so perfectly um, in this movie with all the you know colors and like psychedelia and all that. It's it's you know they did a really detailed job with with all of that. Um, and Renee Zellweger plays this feminist author who um, writes a book called Down with Love, where she basically argues that women should, in order to prove that they're equals to men, they should like basically take the, the approach of men to relationships at the time, which is just like casual sex and avoid any sort of emotional attachment or feelings. Um, and then you have Ewan McGregor, who is a, a um, journalist who is a big, you know, womanizer, um, who, you know, hears about her book and it becomes a success and decides that he wants to try and, um, basically convert her. Um, and it, it becomes a, you know, sort of fun dynamic. Um, there's a sequence where they are talking on the phone. Um, I'm not going to say anything more about it, but the way that it's edited, um, is great. Like it is, it is wonderful comedic staging, um, in that, uh, in that scene. Um, David Hyde Pierce and um, Sarah Paulson play like your classic um, uh, rom-com friends in it. And they're great. Like, you know, I, I sometimes tire of like these tropey characters like this, but um, their dynamic together because they're also kind of having a relationship is really fun. Um, there is a twist at the end of this movie, which doesn't fully work for me, um, but it's just a really fun time. And like I said, technically very well made for a romantic comedy like I, I was really surprised how um well crafted it is um and you know peyton reed i don't hate either of the ant-man films but it does make you wonder what else you know he might have been able to do um outside of the mcu but um it's a really underrated movie and renee zellweger i should say i'm not usually a fan of her um but she fits perfectly i think in this era she definitely has like that um classic rom-com heroine type vibe about her i think you know she's kind of more of that era than she is of the contemporary era which is maybe why well, i'm not always a fan of her but she she's perfect for the role and uh, i found her pretty charming yeah i haven't seen this in a really long time but this was one that i remember when it came out because my sisters were like all about this when it came out because it was in the middle of like uh the prequels so ewan mcgregor was like super hot big fish i think had just come out too and i remember we went and saw that or it came out right after this or something and i remember it was just like ewan mcgregor was super hot at the time and then it's like uh there's the musical numbers and stuff and it was just like it, it was checking all the boxes for the bracala house and so we played this on dvd all the time at my house so i i haven't probably seen it in over 10 years at this point but i i've always remembered this one very fondly um i saw you log in and i was like man i gotta re-watch that because it has been a long time yeah. and I, I i couldn't tell you a ton about it beyond just having really fond memories of it and and, and thinking it was really charming and, and a good time so i'll definitely recheck it out now that um it's kind of been put back in my brain so uh boatman have you ever seen this one no, but you have me at David Hyde Pierce. That's fair. Uh, Cody, what about you? Uh, no. Um, you lost me at Renee Zellweger. I'm not a fan. And overall, I just, 
no. No, I looked it up. The thing was when Tim goes, oh, and I was like, never even heard of this fucking movie, but then Tim knows it. Of course he does. Um, yeah, not probably, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Kirk, what about you? I haven't seen it. Scott was telling me about this before. Um, I'm kind of with Cody. Zellberger is usually a deal breaker for me. Um, it sounds interesting because I, I like those rom-coms that have like the good like best friend characters because those could make or break them. Those can be the worst characters in the movie or the best characters. So if they're good, that helps. Um, but still, it's going to be hard for me to get past her. Okay. Fair enough. All right. We're moving on to our um, least favorite movies that we logged this week. Boatman, why don't you kick us off? Uh, yeah, my least favorite movie that I logged this week. Uh, I think I am going to go with, oh, yeah, no. Uh, Interrupted Melody. This is, uh, this is one of those original screenplay winners. Do you like opera? I don't. No one does. But that's like 50% of this movie. I don't know why it won screenplay when you only had to write half a script and the other half was opera. Um, yeah, it's just kind of bad and a lot of opera, and it's not good opera. Um, yeah, kind of sucks. Not much more I can say about it. Um, we've definitely talked about this before. I think Payson brought it up. Um, he did. And um, I've, yeah, so no, <laughs> I'm not going to watch this. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Bowman's right. Not much more to say about it. Uh, Cody, what about you? Yeah, I watched this movie, and um, it's just it's rough. It's two part of movie. Um, uh, Bowman was watching this, and he messaged me and Pace, and he says, "This is what the whole movie's about." And I know the exact part because I stopped and said, "Is this what the whole movie's about?" Because they just she sings in this operatic voice for so long. It's and it's awful. Like I don't think it's good. I don't think it sounds as good. I don't understand. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I was like, "This one's screenplay. This thing is." terrible like i don't think it was written well i just uh it's something i think would be really like if you went to torture somebody and you just played this on loop for 24 hours you'd get whatever information you wanted out of the person instantly it's terrible like i hated this movie i was like if this one has to offer and i looked at the movies that it lost to and i don't care if it's a weak year this one sucks so yeah Bad, bad choice. Good thing you got it out of the way, though. Uh, Kirk, what about you? Yeah, this is why I don't commit to these kind of things. Like, it's like I like I'm still tr- I'm still trying to make it through Best Picture winners, and there's like a good third of them that I haven't seen because like I just don't want to watch them. Um, and once I eventually do get this done, I'm not going any deeper than that. Like I'm I'm all set. Um, I don't know if you guys get like a, a free sandwich or a t-shirt or something once it's all done, but I, I just I just don't think it's worth it. What about you, Scott? Yeah, no. I, I mean, to Kirk's point, like I feel like the only reason you would watch this is if you were doing the the you know trying to watch all the original screenplay winners. And it seems like all the major Oscar categories have these like random ones where you just scratch your head. Like you know, this is like the the cavalcade or something of the of the best original screenplay movies. So um, yeah, no. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, Cody, we're going to move on to you. Your least favorite movie log this week. So there was a movie that my dad said um, was one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't have a great relationship with my dad, and this is kind of probably why. Um, I watched Roadhouse. Oh, Um, (laughs) I watched Roadhouse. Um, Multiple things go into it for me, okay? I think there are some good moments of Roadhouse. I really do. I think there are some really good moments. I think with the main villain guy, I think it's great for the movie. Because he's over the top, he does this stuff. But there's a few, like, I think, like, marks that they had to, like, hit to be able to be in Roadhouse. If you were a female, clothes were probably not an option for you. Like, I don't think they had them in the contract, because everybody and anybody is topless in this movie. They are all naked, everyone. Um... And I, there's, there's movies that come along that I always just, I understand it's movies and you have to have some, like, disbelief. You have to, like, you know, it's a movie. But, like, the movie, like, The Boy. If I went into a house and they said, hey, you need to watch my son. He's a doll. The movie's over in two minutes because I walk out of the house and I don't watch the doll. <laughs> Same reason for Roadhouse. This is a lot of work and commitment. To be the bouncer of a bar. It's really weird. His pay is not great overall. And everybody in the world is trying to kick the shit out of him. Everybody. His friends die. He gets beat up every chance he gets. This movie makes you believe that apparently you can rip someone's throat out with your bare hands. Like, and Patrick Swayze, rest in peace, I don't think he's that great of an actor. I, I'm going to be all honest. I don't. I haven't seen everything, but I've seen the hits. Don't really get it at this point. I don't. I don't see it. But overall, this movie was just con. Like it was short, but it was like it felt like a drug on so long. And it was like I feel like if this movie came out when I was in college, it would be the bros movie that everybody like. Bro, have you seen Roadhouse? Like you got to check out Roadhouse. And then you don't talk to those people ever again after high school. They're the same people that talk about their high school accomplishments. This movie is not good at all. Like, overhyped. It's kind of like Point Break of the night. Like, I, I think that one gets overhyped and loved to a range that I don't love. I don't hate it near as much as Roadhouse. But, like, it's one of those things that gets elevated to a higher level than what it needs to be. Yeah, sorry. Off yeah. so you're good. I mean, um, I know that I've seen this movie, but it's like watched it on TV with my dad when I was 10. So like, I don't even know if I have it marked on Letterboxd because I, I see What it. an interesting 10-year-old watch, I'll tell you. Well, it was wow, a that's TV version. So. Oh, that's, how do they even show it? Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. I, I, was, probably older, I was probably older than 10, but... Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I I don't care about this. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, Maggie and I watched Dirty Dancing the other night. Uh, I had never seen that before, and I'm not. I haven't seen a ton of Swayze, but I like. We were watching that, and I thought to myself too the same thing of like, I really like him because he's charming, but he's not a great actor. <laughs> like he's kind of got that like Keanu. He's good looking. 
where like he could maybe like pull out like a, a good performance every now and then. Like I think Keanu's got good performances in him, but he's more just like charismatic and charming, and you love the the person more than like you love that he's like a great actor. Like, uh, but I haven't I, I can't talk about this movie too much, but I will watch it because like I for the longest time, my favorite thing to quote from Family Guy was Rose house uh which is just so stupid uh but yeah i'll watch it eventually uh kirk what do you think about this one yeah i'm in the same boat as you uh i think i saw this movie like on cable like i don't think i ever saw it like the whole way through like i like if you piece together all the time the tv was on and i watched some of it i was probably seeing the entire movie um and this is like when i was like a junior high um but yeah the late 80s early 90s were weird with like swayze fever like that guy could just do no wrong like he was I, i'm trying to think of somebody i could even compare him to now but i mean he was just like he could not miss like you just throw him in like a movie or like a, an exercise video or whatever and it was the greatest thing because it was patrick swayze um but yeah the only reason i want to watch this movie now is because ben gazar is in it um but other than that i really don't have much interest uh scott yeah, I echo what everyone else says that I think I don't know that I've seen the whole thing, but I've definitely seen scenes on TV. To be honest with you, this is kind of seems like the type of action movie I would enjoy. Um, I'm not like in an urge to watch it or anything anytime soon, but I do love the over the top, ridiculous, campy, you know, action movies that it sounds like this is. Uh, Kirk brought up Ben Gazar. Yeah, he is the best part of this movie. Like, as of, like, a villain-like kind of role, he is perfect what he does. Like, there's a moment, like, I won't spoil but there's a moment of a phone call, and it's, like, one of the most, like, cheesy 80s, 90s role, but he does it so well, it it works out. But, yeah, he's the only redeeming thing in this movie. Terry Funk, a WWE, WWF wrestler, is in this at one point. And that shows the acting talents throughout this movie. Uh, Boatman, what do you think about Road? This is one of those movies that really frustrates me because there's like two or three scenes where I'm like, why couldn't the movie have been like this? When the movie is like kind of like a backstage, like day in the life of a bouncer drama, it's actually decent. Like, I like those like kind of behind the scenes, this is how a job works type of movie, and I think that's interesting problem is that's maybe 15 percent of the movie and the rest of it is stupid over the top and bs yeah all right um so i am gonna go next um i have a i had a couple options to choose from this week uh but i i, I have to, i have to go with this one it's it's a new release one might say it came out in 2022. Uh, last week, Wednesday, we filmed a couple uh, fan zone debate matches back to back. And afterwards, I got uh, I stayed on call with Cody and Kirk and uh, we talked for a while, you know, about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. And then I said, OK, guys, I'm going to go. Um, I got to watch 2022's Liam Neeson film Blacklight. <laughs> and they looked at me and said, what, why, are, why, why, why are you going to watch Blacklight? And I said, because I bought it on Blu-ray. And then they said, why'd you buy it on Blu-ray, Tim? It was on sale. It's a new Liam Neeson. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be great. Liam Neeson. This movie's ass. Uh, it's a one-star movie. I think I put on my review. Someone else, O'Brien oh, was there too. And I said, 
Sorry, Kirk Bryan and Cody. <laughs> like you were right. Like my B. Um, this is this is bad. And like, don't get me wrong. A lot of the Liam Neeson action movies as of late, not great. Um, a lot of them really, really not good. But if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of them I have a lot of fun with anyway. The first Taken is awesome. The sequels suck. Um, but I liked uh, Run All Night. I liked uh, Honest Thief. Um, I didn't hate The Marksman. It's not good, but I didn't hate it. Um, he's got some that like are entertaining enough. It's to the point now where he's just old man who is just fucking shit up and i i kind of am into it from time to time this is not one of those and this is so generic it's it's like beyond the point of saving the cover for this is literally him standing there with a gun and the tagline is they're gonna need more men and i was like oh let's fucking go but he doesn't there's no action in this movie until like maybe the last 15 minutes and like i don't even give a shit i'm gonna spoil this but at the end of the movie, um, the big climactic battle with, you know, Liam Neeson and um, his uh, military uh, guy who, you know, betrayed him um, and sold him out and everything. Because, you know, that's how it <laughs> always goes. Uh, is literally him, like, taking him out of his car and being like, hey, you're going to tell everybody the truth about this, right? And the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to tell the truth. And he's like, great. And then the movie ends. And I'm like, what? Where were the more men? I thought they needed more men to kill Liam Neeson. What the fuck? I've been sitting here for an hour and 45 fucking minutes. It's 1 a.m. Maggie's upstairs with Bucky. I could have been in bed, but no, I'm fucking watching Liam Neeson not killing more men. I was upset. This is a terrible film. Why is it called Blacklight? Where were the Mormons? Timber Collins. Yeah. Uh, no, why it's why is it called Blacklight? I have no fucking idea. Couldn't tell you. Man, it was just this is this is it was a bad time, and this is not the type of bad time where I'm like, ooh, the Marksman, the movie where he wears like a fucking cowboy hat and like shoots people. Like, no, it's just it's just bad, like generic, bad, but also boring as all get out, like redonkulous i i could not believe what i was watching while i was watching it uh none of you have seen well actually scott might have seen this he sees a lot of new releases no he's like no fuck that you see so many movies in the theater How well, do I what i will say is no i haven't seen this however i totally foresee like in a few months when i have my first warzone match of next season and i use 2022 movies as a strength and i'm gonna be like oh yeah i saw everything in 2022 i got this and then the first question is going to be like in blacklight what is liam neeson's son's name and i'm going to be sitting there like damn it no you need to know his granddaughter's name <laughs> she's five but he's he's uh, all freaked out because he worked security and stuff and so he's always telling her like you need to watch your back you need to watch yourself. <laughs> so then the girl is like getting scared of strangers and the mom is like, you can't freak her out like that. Ah. Like, that's what she needs to know. Uh, also, Every time. 
You got to watch Memory too, Scott, the 2022 Liam Neeson film. These are Memory. not real movies that you're. Yeah, me and <laughs> Memory was directed by Martin fucking Campbell, and that's oh. also booty. Uh, anyway, this is worse though. I, I every time I see a new Liam Neeson movie, and I haven't seen a Liam Neeson movie since I think Cold Pursuit. I think that was the movie. That was booty too. That uh, was good. That was. I and I was always like, who is watching these? And I'm like Tim. Tim is who's watching. Me and Butler. <laughs> you and Tyler. Because like these are like the equivalent of Adam Sandler movies. They're not what they once were. They're no equal up to who he used to be. Because I loved like I like Taken. I would watch Taken any if it was on, I would watch it. I think it was great. Then he became a bad parent and got his kid taken multiple times. I just think like it just doesn't make any I couldn't even I this movie had no no clue that it came out, but also like Liam Neeson, you have the potential. You are a great actor. Yeah. Stop. Well, and he has had a couple movies come out in the last few years that are uh he had this that are dramas. Like he had this movie, uh I, I want to say it was called Ordinary Love. It was him and um I can't think of the actress's name, Phantom Thread, Scott, the, the Phantom, no, the sister. Oh, yes. Yeah where they play a, a husband and wife that's really good and he's so good in it but then this and this was well, so bad that literally my theater didn't even get this like i run a first run theater that gets new fucking movies we didn't even get this at my theater like this is booty so do you think like the budget is like 10 million dollars and he's pulling like almost the like 9 million per movie I don't even know, man. That's like the, the only way is he's got to be finding. He's got to be getting like a fat bag every time he does these movies to keep doing these movies. There's I'm no other way. How much this? So this cost. It does not say on uh, Box Office Mojo how much it, how much it cost, but it made fifteen point eight million at the box office, and I got to imagine this thing costs because sixty five year old men go in there and be like, "This is the movie." Oh, there is a scene where he punches someone, and it literally looked like if my like ten year old niece punched like an MMA fighter. Like he was just like. <laughs> it looks so bad. and there's a whole chase scene where he chases someone through the streets i don't know how he kept up with that young 20 year old but it happened this had a 43 million dollar budget you're lying to me he has to be making bags that's the exact point this is I the only reason he keeps doing these movies they I say put no your name in it that money went to him. Oh my god. He probably owns an island somewhere. Oh, definitely. Uh, does anybody else have anything they want to say about Blacklight and my problem? Absolutely. Get help. I mean, I, I seven ninety nine is not worth it. These these later Neeson movies, like he's kind of the king of like January, February, nothing else to see on five dollar movie night. That's passable. But this one didn't even show up on my radar. Like I I I, I think listen, you talk about the Blu-ray the first I heard about it. Um, I will say, and I know Cody's going to not be pleased about this one. I've actually never seen the plane one nonstop. Um, but it was pretty good. I, I just picked that up for three ninety nine. Is that acceptable? That's acceptable. Okay. It's a good, it's a solid movie. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to watch that one. This We're week. not watching it. 
when he I shook. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, let's move on to Kirk. Um, I picked a handful of actors this year that I've kind of been trying to get deeper into their filmography or just rewatch some stuff I haven't seen. Uh, one of them is Leonardo DiCaprio. Nice. Oh, so I watched 2000's The Beach, and this was not a good movie. Um, this is uh, one of those ones like I remember the trailer, and like it's like the trailer has like gravitas to it. Like, oh, there might be something to this movie. I never watched it. Uh, finally got around to it now, and there's a reason why um, I didn't watch it, and probably a lot of other people didn't watch it. It's not good. Um, it's so just it's just a mess. Like it's trying to be so many different things. Like it's kind of like this, I don't know, survival thriller type of movie. It has like references to Apocalypse Now, but it's also at the same time trying to package teen, uh, like young Leo for teenage girls. Um, so it just a cacophony of different noises. Um, it's about these, you know, he's in Thailand and he's traveling, and it's him and a couple other people. They're like these like douchey, privileged American and European travelers. And the movie kind of like half-assedly critiques that, but it also glorifies it, makes them look like they're the coolest people in the world. Um, but you don't like them at all, and they come in this community of other people like them, and you don't like them either. Uh, and then they do so, it, like halfway through the movie, they do something like pretty despicable, and it's like, oh, now the movie doesn't want me to like them, even though I did. And then the movie immensely, immediately sweeps them under the rug and just like continues to proceed as if that didn't happen. And um, like I said, it's a complete mess. Uh, the acting is really bad all around, even Tilda Swinton's in it, and she's not very good. Um, but Leo is terrible. Uh, he is definitely still in his like teen beat Leo phase and not Oscar nominee Leo uh, that we know and love now. He's still kind of figuring stuff out here. Um, but his performance is just like I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And like maybe he thinks he's doing like a satire or parody. With some of the stuff he does in this movie, um, but there's an earnest to it, where an earnestness to it that I think he's like really going for it, and he just fails miserably. Um, directed by Danny Boyle, and there's a few moments here, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a cool Danny Boyle thing, um, but then there's some really dumb stuff he does, just way over the top, and it just adds to the giant pile of crap that this movie is. Um, I've never really deep dived into Danny Boyle's. Um filmography um i know of this film mostly because i know that everybody doesn't really like it and then jake marangoni gave it a four star um that that's my main reason for knowing this uh but uh i i just i i will watch it eventually because i i do like leo and i i kind of want to see like a bad performance kind of weirdly enough um but like i said danny boyle is a guy that like the movies that I've seen of his, I've enjoyed. I like Slumdog Millionaire, 28 Days Later. Um, I just saw 127 Hours for the first time like a year ago and really liked that. Steve Jobs is one of my favorite movies the last like 10 years. So like, I, I like the dude, but like this from everything that I've heard is just bad. So I'll get there eventually, but it's not a top priority. It's been in my Netflix queue for like 13 years. So uh, Scott, what do you think about this one? I haven't seen it. Um, some people may know this, but the sort of interesting thing about this movie is, yeah, it's based on a book by Alex Garland, actually. Uh, really? Ex Machina Annihilation. Hmm. Fame. Um, that's really the only thing that's that intriguing about it to me, because nobody talks about this movie anymore. And if 
if it has Leonardo DiCaprio and nobody talks about it anymore, that probably means it's not very good. Yeah. Um, Bowman. Uh, yeah, haven't seen this. Okay, Cody. Uh, Kirk, when's your rewatch of Titanic going to happen? That's what I'm more curious about. <laughs> I'm all yes. set. This is as low as I go with Leo. Oh my You're god, such a Kirk! Do you not like Titanic? Hates it. Do you have a heart? No, no, he doesn't. Have you met? Oh my god, Kirk! All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on then to Scott. So it pains me to say that this was the worst movie that I watched because I actually thought it was going to be really good. But I watched a movie called Little Children. And this is directed by Todd Field, who made a movie called In the Bedroom, which I think is really, really strong. Um, Oscar-nominated movie from the early 2000s. Then he made this movie in the mid-2000s. Also received multiple Oscar nominations. Then he took 16 years off. And now he has a new film coming out this year called Tar with Kate Blanchett that is getting a lot of buzz. Um, And that I'm looking forward to. So I wanted to catch up with this movie. Um, Wow. I cannot believe that people do not talk about how insane this movie is. Um, It for the number one most insane thing about it is the voiceover narration in this movie um because it is based on a book and i guess todd field decided that the only way to adapt this book was to basically put portions of the audiobook in the movie because that's literally what it sounds like i'm going to play you like 20 seconds here of a video that i took on my phone and i will say that this is the only um time in the movie where the narration works in a comical way because Patrick Wilson's character is playing a football game in the rain. And so it sounds like a NFL films documentary. So just listen to this. Winds whisper of high hopes. Victory is in the skies. One joins with many on summer's green field. At 0-5, the Guardians were the basement dwellers of the Tri-County Touch Football Night League. The Controllers, a team of young hotshots from the financial district, were 4-1 with an explosive offense that regularly racked up 40 to 50 points a game. So just imagine that. Wow. And imagine that throughout that is the entire... not from a movie. I don't believe it. It, 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 is, it is real, Kirk. And imagine that in other scenes in the movie, like actual serious dramatic scenes. I mean, there's a major character in this movie who is a sex offender, uh, played by uh, Jackie Earl Haley, who actually got nominated for an Oscar. And there's that type of narration going on. For this and movie? It destro- Do, yeah, for this movie. It destroys any type of subtext that would be like, which is crazy because Kate Winslet is in this movie and she can do so much with just like, you know, not even saying anything. And yet the movie feels like it has to go out of its way and ruin any subtext. The last thing I will say, and I will mildly spoil it because this isn't really a movie where the plot matters, but Patrick Wilson and Kate Winslet are having an affair. And at the end of the movie, they decide they're going to run away together and they're going to meet up in the park. And they're going to run away together. And Kate Winslet gets to the park and she's waiting for him. And Patrick Wilson is like dramatically running, you know, very dramatic. It's very dramatic. And as he's on his way to the park, he comes across a bunch of teenagers skateboarding. And for seemingly no reason, he decides that he's going to stop and do a skateboard trick with the teenagers. And he does a trick, falls on his face and ends up getting taken to the hospital. Um that is this this movie that was nominated for multiple Oscars, directed by who I think actually is a strong filmmaker. 
Um, this movie is just nuts. I can't believe more people don't talk about how nuts it is. Uh, I'm still looking forward to Tar, but man, this this is craziness. This is getting great reviews on Letterboxd. We got three and a half, four and a half, so four, four. Yeah, I don't get um, it. I mean, I have some of these sources, though. I, well, you got your your Jakes, and then you got your Adam Collins, your Michaels, your uh, um, who was that? Marisol gave it a four and a half. So like, it's kind of crazy. But uh, this is the movie. I know this movie as the poster where Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson are naked on the poster. Yeah. Uh, that's how I know this poster. Um, and this movie, I've never seen it. Um, but this is always this is one of those from that era of like movies that have nothing to do with each other. But I always like think of like, Oh, I want to see that for some reason. It's just like those like black posters with like characters just like seductively standing there or something like, and just like, they all came out like, again, maybe it's the Kate Win because Kate Winslet is in the reader too. Right. Like that was one I've never seen where I'm like, (laughs) I I, like conflate all of these movies from like the mid two thousands. But yeah. Oof. Interesting. I'm excited for Tar. That looks great. Yeah, I still uh, am. But yeah, wow. uh, interesting. Um, has anybody else seen this? I just wanted the sound from NFL films to pop in. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> counted out, but only yeah. them. The only they believed the midway. In the midway. <laughs> only they believed in themselves. <laughs> like it's just like, oh, wow. so bad. Yeah, I, that reminded me that the beach I forgot to mention also has some really bad narration, but it's not nearly as bad as the uh, the clip that Scott just played. Yeah, imagine if that was in like every movie, just and that, <laughs> yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. Imagine. I just thought of <laughs> I thought of I thought of Sunset Boulevard, but with that narration over it <laughs> instead, it just sounds so bad. Lambo Field, <laughs> <laughs> the frozen tundra. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's get into love these football references <laughs> bowman knows what lambo field is two teams go in one team comes out <laughs> you know what? super bowl one you know what lambo field is right bowman should yeah. i it's where the it's the, the home of the packers, the packers stadium <laughs> okay Wow. Well, I thought your dad was a Packers. Okay, my dad's a Packers fan, but that doesn't mean that I know what the name of their stadium is. Well, you know what? He probably cares about that you're the movie Warzone champion. It'd be nice if you cared about what your dad likes. Yeah, Jeez. <laughs> he brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Let's move on to our list. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, we're talking about courtroom movies. Bowman, kick us off. What's the first movie on our courtroom movie list? I'm not going to take the obvious. You know what? No, I'm not. I could do that. I'm going to take the obvious one. Hi, I'm Caleb Boatman. My favorite movie of all time is 12 Angry Men. Have I talked about it a thousand times on shows? Yes. Will I talk about it a thousand more? Yes. It's my favorite movie. I'm not going to not pick it. Um, yeah, I I love the, the different dynamics between the characters. And, like... The the way like obviously eight and three are like the two big ones, but I love like just the other like Jack Warden just wanting to be done with everything. I really like uh, E.G. Marshall's analytical elements. Uh, I think eleven and twelve are like the funniest characters. Uh, specifically, twelve gets a lot of great lines. 
this is one of my all-time favorite. This is my all-time favorite movie, and I will always love it forever. Um, I want to be. I want to make something clear here because uh, I, I just started doing this this week. I'm going to go back and do this uh, for every episode of Logged It for the last 56. But basically, if you've ever been on our uh, letterbox page uh we don't have star ratings on any of the movies because how are we going to quantify like what we would give a movie um but what i thought would be fun is i was thinking about like wow there are some movies that we talk about a lot on the show there are some we don't so what i'm doing is every time a movie is brought up i give it the watch and if it's uh in a positive light so if it's on the list or it's in the uh favorite movies we log this week i give it a like as well if it's the night if it's on the least favorite i don't give it the like what i've started doing is if it's a movie we've talked about a second time i add half a star to it and then another half star the next time we talk about it and so on and so forth so by this point there are some movies like recently we've talked about everything everywhere all at once like four times so it would be at two stars or one and a half technically if you follow me so right now 12 angry men is sitting at a half star that does not at all imply that you think this is a half star movie it's just to show uh what how much we've talked about it and it will uh it'll eventually get up there um i just thought that was going to be kind of a fun thing but as i was hitting 12 angry men at a half star i realized how fucking ridiculous that was that i also have black light at a half star because apparently somebody else talked about that a few months ago wasn't me uh but somebody did because it was already marked as watched so uh 12 angry men is great um the last time we talked about it on the show i mentioned that i hadn't seen it in years it's been such a long time and i i need to give it a rewatch um i just i haven't done it um but i need to uh really bad because it's it's one of those where I remember liking it when I saw it and you guys know me, I'm not a classics guy. So the fact that I liked it when I was like 17, 18 years old and saw it means that I would probably like it even more now. Um, so I will get there. Um, but yeah, great movie. Of course you were going to pick this. Don't feel bad about picking it. You, you should, if I have an opportunity to put monsters Inc or Lord of the Rings on the list, I do it every fucking time. Uh, so, uh, Cody, uh, 12 Angry men. Yeah, 12 Angry Men, um, I, I knew this was where Boatman going, but I figured maybe he wouldn't just because of that. Um, it's one of the best 90-minute movies, like a little over 90-minute movies that's ever been made. I think it's absolutely brilliant. The, the character development this movie uh, does in 90 minutes, well, some movies wish they could even do that with the three-hour runtime that they have. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible of a film. I think how all of them play off each other um, what is what makes this movie the courtroom i know there was debate at one point does this count as a courtroom because they're all they're all side of the courtroom does it count i think it absolutely 1000 percent counts i think um and like when people like we talked about this a while less like um uh jack picked uh henry fonda as one of the characters like to put up in the top thing and i don't even think he crosses like the top like six of, I think there's so many great performances. He's the middle, the guy driving the entire thing. But those characters that play off of him are the real stars of this movie. Um, so absolutely great choice. It needs to be on this list. If you were going to pass it, I would have probably picked it. So. Uh, Kirk? Yeah, I've talked about it a lot too. Um, this is just a great 
movie all around. One of the greatest collection of character actors probably ever. Um, uh, a lot of Twilight Zone guys, which is a plus for me. Uh, and this is like you were saying uh, about getting the classics. This is prob. I think this is one of, like the first like classic classic movies I watched as an adult, and it really lived up to like I like I realized like oh yeah, there's something to this. Um, I remember first time I saw it was on a uh, big screen theater had a local theater had a revival of it, so I was really like to watch it that way. Um, but yeah, just the situation and just how simple it is. But you know, like Bowman alluded to, just the characters, and I love how episodic it is. Like it basically takes each character and breaks down their argument and kind of like works its way through. Um, yeah, again, I've said so much about it already. It's, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Great pick. Okay. Uh, Scott? Yeah, it has to be on the list. It's an all-timer. Um, I think this is one of the few movies that is like, there's not really any room for negative opinion on this movie. Like, I'm sorry. I try to be, you know, respectful of everyone's takes, but like, I don't think you understand movies, maybe, if, if, uh, if this isn't like, you know, a classic to you. Like, uh, it just, it is so um you know flawlessly successful in what it sets out to do um that yeah i, I mean there's you, you would you would be hard pressed to find faults with it um i love it it's definitely one of the first classic movies i watched as well and it's a classic movie that i could show to anyone whether they you know are into to classic films or not i do want to also mention uh because cody kind of said like does it qualify does it not he thinks it absolutely does if you bring it it's on the list uh, that is the rule that logged it. So I, I definitely, a couple of my ideas that are floating around um, might challenge whether or not they actually count or not, but I'm, I'm going to talk about them anyway. Uh, Cody, we're going to go to you next. What is your first pick for the courtroom movies list? Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of people in this panel that expect me to go at least two of these, and I'm not bringing up either one right now. Uh, I'm bringing up a movie that has wasn't on my top 100 is now on my top 100 it keeps moving up every time i watch it the the fact that this is not more readily available is disgusting i'm doing judgment at nuremberg um judgment at nuremberg is one of um one of the best movies i've ever seen um in the way that this movie like, there are different people, like, in different movies, like, there's court, um, like, the whole thing about a courtroom setting or whatever is there's a guilty party, and it's a judgment of your own peers, basically. But this movie puts so many hard tests out there because it is basically Nazis on trial and defending their actions for the rest of the world. Like, you don't, it's so difficult, you can't side with the people. But this movie basically puts the entire world on guilt, like on on trial, in a way. Um, um, Bowman's going to help me with this. The guy that won the Oscar, um, Maximilian Schell. Maximilian Schell is basically well, he is not. He's the defense attorney for the Nazis, and he gives a speech in this movie. It's called, if you look it up, it's called "The Guilt of the World." Basically. He's saying, you're putting us on trial for what we did in the situations that we were in, but are you going to hold America? Are you going to hold Britain? Are you going to hold France? Are you going to hold all these people? Why, you all saw him rise to power. You all let him go by. You all shook his hand. You all said welcome to, like, but you did nothing. 
So don't put me as the guilty party. It is, and Spencer Tracy is like the main judge on the like the the, the trial, which Spencer Tracy is one of the greatest classic actors of all time. And um, oh, what's his name? He's also uh, Burt Lancaster. Yeah, he gives a heartbreaking speech in this movie. It is just one of the one how it's not more available because I think this movie should be shown in like schools. I think this is like. Stop showing to I kill Mockingbird's great, but like show like this, I think, especially in like a history class, because it's so it's an interesting thing that no one talks about. I and I learned about it in school, but the movie does such justice to this trial and what all have like I think it's I think it's I think it's absolutely a brilliant movie. So if you if you can find a copy, if you can do anything, I had to do other means to actually watch the movie, but it's 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 an all timer for me. I love this movie. Um, I have not seen it, but I've only heard incredible things from you um over the last year or two that you've been watching and rewatching it. Um and I just even looking now at your letterbox, I saw that you, you know, you made the jump from four to five over the course of about a year or so. So um this is one where um I'm not gonna bring up this movie, so sorry if somebody's gonna bring it up, but like when it comes to classics and courtrooms i tend to like them more the classics i just watched like anatomy for a murder like maybe like three or four months ago and i i really enjoyed that one so i have a feeling and like that this would be something that i would really really enjoy just classics in this type of setting i'm way more keen on than other types so yeah i will watch this eventually uh kirk have you seen this yeah i've seen it um last time i, I like i first time i saw it was in high school uh, like Cody was saying, I haven't seen it in a long time. I do want to go back and rewatch it. Um, just the, I mean, I've I've read a lot about Nuremberg and just the whole like post Holocaust ideas, like just fascinate me because like how do you how do you put somebody on trial for that? Like, what's the what do you how do you make up? You know, where, where's the justice? Like, is it can you get justice? So like those kind of ideas are just really fascinating to me. Um, so it's definitely one that I um, am looking to revisit. Scott, what about you? I've seen it a long time ago um, when I was in high school or so I tried to watch, uh, you know, I was just watching like every courtroom movie I could. And, you know, I've watched a bunch of the classics and like for some reason, this was the one that like didn't stay with me. However, I definitely think I would feel differently if I watched it again, because for whatever reason, a lot of my favorite movies feature Nazism in them. Um, like, you know, I love Inglorious Bastards. I love Casablanca. I love Schindler's List. Cabaret, which I just watched for the first time this year, I thought was incredible. Um, and, you know, features Nazis pretty prominently in it. So I think I would find this fascinating if I were to, to rewatch it. Just, you know, the whole moral discussion that you guys are describing sounds something like, you know, the, the type of stuff I love and why I, you know, wanted to get into law in the first place. I think that's an interesting thing about like the Nazis in film because I talked to somebody else about this. They play like the perfect; they're the the easiest bad guy to put out there because no one no one should sympathize with them or thing. But this movie is one of those movies that flips it on your head and kind of like looks into their like psyche of like like take that as like the ultimate villain, of what most of the world would consider to like try to humanize them, which I think yeah. is insane so like it was interesting where like why does like we cling to it because they're the ultimate bad like we that's why a lot of us cling to like 
movies like that, like Indiana Jones, we all root for him because it's easy to not root for the Nazis. All right. Uh, I'm going to go next. I, I uh, think no, Boatman, Boatman still needs to talk about it. My bad. Boatman, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, the one thing that hasn't been said that I'll, I'll bring up, Montgomery Clift is so good in this movie. He plays um one of the witnesses on trial for like uh, the, the Nazi sterilization uh, things that they would do. And he's like, plays someone who was sterilized and his mannerisms. It's like, he is so good in that movie. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic cast. Young William Shatner is in there for like 20 seconds, which is kind of funny. Nice. Judy Garland too. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, again, this is one that, like, I think it counts. You can you can get – we could talk about the semantics or not. Uh, I'm going with 1999's The Insider. I feel like this counts. Like, there's court parts of it. It's not all courtroom, but, again, there are movies that, like, I hope get brought up in other spots that, like, I – I, not the whole movie takes place in the courtroom, but there's so much like legal and like uh, the obviously like the whistleblowing and like the legal stuff and like everything that goes into this story. Like I just find it like really, really interesting. And I, I saw it for the first time like two years ago, Maggie and I watched it and I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And then I was like Googling courtroom movies and legal movies and stuff. And I saw this one pop up on like a lot of lists and I was like, yeah, you know what? No, I really, really liked the movie. I thought Pacino and Crow were both really, really great. And I like Michael Mann as a director a lot. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought that the legal like ramifications of like big tobacco coming down on like a whistleblower like this was uh, super interesting from someone who just like wasn't in the it wasn't around at the time like didn't con like know about any of this um and those are my favorite types of movies is when i get to learn actually like learn something real and have it be like super like interesting like there are definitely other movies where like i think are better suited for like specifically that word courtroom but also are just like so over talked and we talk about them all the time and i don't really like i feel like people like this movie but i don't really hear people talk about it all that much so that's why i wanted to bring it up um bowman what do you think about this one? Oh uh, yeah this is really good i don't necessarily think about it as a courtroom movie but it's completely fair russell this is maybe my favorite performance from russell crowe like either this or a beautiful mind i think he's really good in this Chino and Plummer are also really good. Yeah. Uh, Cody. Gladiator, Bowman. Gladiator. Um, surprisingly, never seen this movie. Oh. Uh, I think you I think you would love uh, it. I know everybody tells me I love it, but I'm always worried about <laughs> people tell me I'm gonna love it. And I'm like, oh now it's like built up to a certain level. No, but I mean with who's in it and who directed it and all that stuff, it's definitely set for me. I just I've never Pick the time. Fair. Um, Kirk. Yeah, uh, solid movie. Uh, Russell Crowe's really good in it. I really enjoy, like, you know, one man against the world kind of movies. And um, I think, like, this genre, the courtroom legal thriller, uh, kind of lends itself to that. There's a couple movies I'm actually thinking about bringing up tonight. 
um, that fall under that. But he's really good in it. Uh, Pacino, I just love his character where he's, you know, you're never quite sure. Like, you know, he's into it, but like, he's also in it for the story. Um, so like, you're kind of just, you know, like Crow's not trusting him. You don't necessarily fully trust him. Uh, and then Plummer, his character and kind of the hill turn he takes towards the end. Um, and just like, like I said, just one of those movies where it's like everything, you know, it's just one person standing up for what's right and everything going against them. That, that, That makes for great drama. Scott, what about you? I love this movie. Um, yeah, this is a great pick. Um, I wouldn't have thought about it for this topic either. But I mean, yeah, totally agree with what everyone said. The script of this movie is just fire. Um, I love that line where Pacino is like, ordinary people under extraordinary circumstances. What the hell do you expect? Grace and consistency? That's just like a great line that really like sums up what the whole movie is about. And uh, yeah, Christopher Plummer plays a great Mike Wallace. It's fascinating subject material. And man does such a great job with like the details of like the procedure. I mean, it's kind of a procedural in a way. And, you you know, I'm totally in the bag for those. So um, love it. Great. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to Kirk. All right. Uh, I'm going to stay on brand and we're going to go back to back Pacino because I'm going with Injustice for All. Um, This is another movie I've talked about a lot. one of my favorite Pacino performances, I think it's one of his more underrated movies. Um, I just think I'm what I like about this is it shows it doesn't this is another one that doesn't spend all its time in the courtroom, but it shows the effects of the courtroom and the effects of the system and just how completely dehumanizing it is, how it you know dehuman how it dehumanizes the people who are trapped in it, who are stuck in it, who are like kind of get ground up in its wheels, but also the people who run it and people on the periphery. Um, how you know their the clients and the people here involved just become commodities and you know how they lose their humanity in dealing with that and um just you know watching you know his friend fall apart you know because he got a murderer off and then like like because it's there's one overarching storyline um but there's a lot of little tiny like cases and clients and things like that that all kind of piece together just slowly you know erode pacino's character down and um you know the 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 big sexy scene is the one at the, you know, the, the, the climax in the courtroom, you know, you, uh, you're all out of order. Um, but the one, I think that the, the, the scene of the movie for me is the scene in the, in the, in the parking garage um, after his, um, you don't know it yet, but his, you know, the, the, the audience doesn't know it yet, but his client has killed himself just because of a, of a, 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 a lazy error that another lawyer made. And um, he, he went back to prison and killed himself. And uh, you know, Pacino just goes after that guy. And just lets loose. Just don't you care, Warren? Don't you even care? They're people. And like that's the like just him finally like realizing what this is. And I think that's what leads to that final scene is like what what he goes through here in that scene. Um, but it just it's it, he like I said he's so good in it, and it just really to me is the greatest. It may not be like technically you know accurate as far as how it all works, but just like the spirit of you know how how crushing that system is. Um, it's, it's just like the perfect view of it. I, I love this movie. I could watch it a million times. I have not seen it. I know the famous quote, uh, but I have not seen the movie. I want to. I love Pacino. I, I've I've realized how much I love Pacino over the course of the last couple of years. But I mean, there's only room in, for one Pacino fan in this community. And that's Caleb Coho. So the rest of us have to back up and let Coho enjoy. Uh, but I will get to this eventually because courtroom Pacino, you got me. 
Uh, that sounds like a good time. Uh, Scott. He did a nice imitation of him there. I don't know if you were trying to or not. I did. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, another one I haven't seen in a long time. I do really like it. Obviously, the performance is great. The one thing I remember is that it was a little tonally inconsistent, um, which is maybe why it wasn't like my favorite, because there's some like times when it verges more on, on comedy. Um, but then there's also, you know, the very serious, like, you know, more moral questions and stuff like Kirk's bringing up. Um, so, you know, my memories that could have fused those a little bit better. But um, yeah, another one, I don't have any problem with it being on the list. Bowman? Uh, yeah, no, I like this movie, and I, I honestly kind of like some of the tonal inconsistencies, specifically with uh, Jack Borden's character flying the helicopter and freaking Al Pacino out. Like, I think that's a really fun scene. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, and like Lee Strasberg is really good in this movie as uh, Pacino's dad. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Cody? Uh, this movie is absolutely incredible. Um, I think Jeffrey Tambor, um, as his friend that basically like puts a, uh, interesting spin on it of basically like, Hey, like they're defense attorneys. And like, basically they went to do all this stuff and he got his, just his one client, he comes in the middle of the night crying or whatever he comes in the middle of the night and says like, I got my, the guy off and he got out and did it again. And like, you just think like, that's the most gut wrench like. If it was, if he would have done like a crappy job, the guy would have been locked behind bars. But if he, he did a good job to get him out, and that's what happens. Um, I mean, his the judge that he's like defending or whatever, such a sleaze ball, just like an awful like, human being. Like, and how him and Pacino interact with each other, and like Pacino's like, "You're the scum of the fucking earth. I hate you. You're the reason." Like all this, but he has to do the job because he's like basically blackmailed into basically doing it. Um, and then, yeah, I'm with Kirk. Uh, I mean, it's in YLS's clip, and it, it works perfectly for my show, but the best scene is in that parking garage when he's beating the shit out of the fucking car because he doesn't know how to express himself because he's so mad about he trusted another guy to just do a simple task, and he just lets the guy go, and he's like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, you just go and talk to the judge. <laughs> like, I can't. He's gone. Like, there's, he's, he's out. Like, And I think it doesn't get enough credit. Um, yeah, I just think this is an absolutely incredible performance from Patino. Um, 70s was his decade, that's for sure. Like, he is untouchable in that 70s. Okay. Uh, Scott, we're on to you. All right, Boatman did it. I got to do it, too. Uh, a few good men. Yeah. Uh, what? I knew you were going to do that, so I didn't. I'm shocked. It is, it is my favorite movie of all time, so I would feel weird if I didn't. Um. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels strange, like a strange task to try and, you know, describe why I love this movie in um, such a short amount of time. But um, I think it is just like from an entertainment level, it is just off the charts. Um, and it's just it is a movie where everybody involved is at their absolute peak um, from Aaron Sorkin. Obviously, um, you know, his breakthrough was writing this movie, writing the play that then became this movie. Rob Reiner, I think, does a really underrated job of keeping this movie on the tracks and, you know, exercising some control over Sorkin's, you know, maybe more um, negative impulses. Um, you know, you have Tom Cruise just, like, exploding with charisma in this movie. Um, even though you know his character is, like, such a, you know, cocky and kind of an a-hole, like, 
you just you can't help but love him and want him to succeed. But also the relationship between him and Joe Galloway, Demi Moore's character, is so perfect um, because they both need each other. She is not the the advocate in the courtroom that he is, but he doesn't you know believe or care about the innocence of these guys until he he um, you know he he meets Joe and she really becomes passionate with him. He's you know, prior to that, when the movie starts out, he just wants to settle the cases. He wants to, you know, plead plead them out, get his set of steak knives, and go on his merry way. So they both need each other um, to end up accomplishing the goal that they accomplish. The courtroom scenes just crackle. Um, I love the, you know, the whole scene that he has with Noah Wiley's character, Corporal Barnes, about, you know, where they're looking in the book and, oh, well, where's Code Red in this book? Well, it's not in there. And then, you know, he redirects him and is like, well, where's the mess hall in here? Well, it's not in there. So you've never had a meal? You know, it's it's great. And the cross of the doctor and like all the, the examinations just have like that fire that you want from a courtroom scene. And then obviously the ending confrontation is, you know, one of the all-time great scenes between Cruz and Jack Nicholson as Colonel Jessup. Um, yeah, I just I just love this movie. I know like every single line of this movie, it's it's one of the major reasons that I ended up going the career route that I did. And it's been my favorite movie for so many years now, and it really hasn't come close to toppling off the podium. So um, it belongs on, on this list. I think it is one of the greatest courtroom movies. And obviously um, for me, it's, it's my favorite movie of all time. So I had to pick. It's a great fucking movie, as Mike Hanley would say. Uh, I saw this for the first time a couple years ago. Um, Maggie and I watched it together. Uh, my wife also loves the law, as they say, although she's currently working on the table right now. She might not love the law right now, uh, but I think overall you love the law, right? Yeah, she nodded. Uh, so we watched this and uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. This is This is one of those that, like, lived up to the hype when i saw it and um thought it was just really excellent tom cruise i love so like <laughs> i tend to like most things that he's in but jack nicholson is great uh that ending scene does live up to the hype but the just build um to it is is, is just as good and i honestly i didn't know much about it going into it i knew the you can't handle the truth like i knew that was the quote I didn't know what the truth was or anything. So like, uh, I didn't even know what they were on trial for or anything going into it. I just, I just knew it was a, uh, military based, uh, court movie. So it's similar to judgment at Nuremberg a little bit in the, in the, um, in the subject matter. And in fact, you know, there's even the line where Kevin Pollock's characters is like, what you want them to use a defense that didn't work for the Nazis at Nuremberg. You know, it's the whole, they're uh, acting under orders type of thing. So. No, I just, I really enjoyed it. This is one that, like like I said, I've only seen the once. I do need to rewatch it. Um, but I, I loved it when I saw it and um, can't wait to watch it again, for sure. Uh, Boatman, what about you? Uh, yeah, no, brilliant movie. Nicholson is, like, great. I, I do think this is a really good Cruise performance, though. You know, early Cruise can sometimes be hit or miss. Cruise is really good in this. Um, and, yeah, the... That scene, like, it's a lot of attention, but I like a lot of, like, the before stuff of the gathering of the case and everything. So, yeah. Cody, what about you? 
Yeah, I had the privilege to watch this with Scott Oncall. Um, I picked it because I really just wanted to watch the movie, and Scott just happened to be on one of those calls. Um, I I love this movie. I was one of the people that he always said it's like a four star movie with a five star scene. Um, I've come back on that. I think the movie overall is great. Everything that builds up gets you to that moment. Um, there are a few scenes that will get me like completely just like mesmerized if I've seen the movie before, but that last scene is one of those that will always just like, I know every line, I know every word, I almost know every like how he says it. Um, I, I still crazy. I, I, I just saw like, I was like, what did he, what did he lose to? Like, who did he lose to? Gene Hackman and Unforgiven, like, that's a real tough, like, back to like, like two shot. And Pacino was also in that year. But he just gives such a great performance. I love this movie for different reasons than other courtroom because this has an element that's so hard to like beat because it's not only just a courtroom, but they also have to practice within the laws of like the military and how to speak to upstanding like people at higher ranks. Like that's crazy to me. Not if that person's wrong in the trial, but he's a general. Like you have no, you have to walk a very fine line or you can just be thrown in jail, which this movie does such a masterclass. I love like the entire time, like them, like planning at home and talking about it and building up that thing. Um, the movie would be slightly better if Jason Alexander got to play the role instead of Kevin Pollack. Cause man, no, I'm just kidding. Cool. Uh, but great movie. Great movie. Please explain this joke to me. It's not so a joke. He, he was, was actually... a re- yeah. What? Yeah. Jason Alexander was supposed to originally play Lieutenant Weinberg, which is Kevin Pollock's character in the movie. That's crazy. But and I, I was like, I if you can't, I said in the 90s, if you can't get Jason Alexander, you know who you can get? <laughs> Kevin Pollock. You can definitely afford Kevin Pollock. Because he is he's definitely like, it, he's great. I wouldn't cast anybody else because he loses at one point of the movie. Like, and he does such a good job of it. But I'm like, if in the 90s, if you said who's a discount jason alexander it would be a time of but it's a it's a great great movie uh kirk uh yeah i don't love this movie as much as everybody else does i've come to appreciate it more over the years um i think it just i mean it's a five-star all-time final scene and i think the rest of the movie kind of not the rest of the movie is bad but it kind of like rides the coattails of the uh, of that scene um (laughs) cruise i think uh, leading up to i think cruise is hit or miss in the movie. I think he's doing some, there's some stuff there I, I don't love. Uh, Demi Moore and Kevin Pollock, I, I don't think Kevin Pollock's this kind of anything. He, he had a great run in the 90s and um, he's really good at this. I love those scenes of them just like getting together and planning everything and preparing. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, and just, I think, you know, just, you know, how you were talking about like the different ideas. I, I love it when they're having that conversation. It's like, why do you hate them so much? Why do you like them so much? Yeah. It's like the different, you know, views they take on these people um but yeah getting back to that last scene it is just so amazing um i love the chess game that's going on how he's just like i'm just gonna go for it i there's only one way we can win this and i i have to make it happen and just the back and forth they both know what he's trying to do and um but just the way and it, it plays into what cody was saying like how you have to use like the military protocol and everything and the way the judge gets involved and how you know cruz uses the way the judges you know his his, his view of nicholson and what nicholson does against him um it's just such a, a perfectly written scene and perfectly acted scene um nicholson's great i wish there's a little more nicholson in this 
Um, but otherwise, yeah, like I said, I don't I don't love it as much as everybody else does, but I don't begrudge anybody else's passion for it. Okay. Uh, we are back up to Boatman. Boatman, what is your next pick? Uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, Reversal of Fortune. Uh, this is a this is not like a true courtroom movie because the majority of it doesn't really take place in the courtroom, but it's a legal thriller uh, based on a true story. Kind of goes back and forth between flashbacks of Jeremy Irons and Glenn Close, um, and basically nineteen ninety. Yeah, and is basically like you know the the core mystery surrounding the film is did Jeremy Irons kill Glenn Close? Um, and it's basically starting that, but then also the legal case of Jeremy Irons hiring, uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, to defend him, uh, in court. So it's like a base on true story. Ron Silver is Alan Dershowitz and he's great. He's like fantastic in this movie. And it's kind of like he and Irons are almost like co-leads, uh, cause there's a lot on like Irons finding defenses and like, yeah, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I have not seen this, but I remember uh, it being brought up. I don't. It wasn't on this show, so it must have been on YLS, uh, probably for courtroom shows. Uh, but I, I am interested in it um, for sure. So, but I have not seen it, Cody. I'm really glad he brought this up because I wouldn't have thought about it when we went through Best Actor last year. This was one of my surprise hits. I'm kind of surprised I put it at four stars. It's probably more of a four and a half looking back on it. Um, Jeremy Irons is absolutely incredible in this movie. Um, uh, he will always have a special spot for voice and scar, but seeing him like basically be like that ruthless person throughout this movie um, and leaves you, and the movie even kind of leaves you in that question mark. Like, did he do it? Did he not? Because there's a scene at the very end that I'm just like, Oh my god, like this movie doesn't like end. Um, it's very it's not a scene, but like again, Iron presents everything, he's very upstanding, he knows how to talk, he knows how to like maneuver through everything, so it sounds like he's just doing the best he can for his wife at the time. But there's also some definite gray areas that he's messing with some stuff um definitely deserving of the oscar he's incredible in this movie but um yeah uh i would definitely check it out i don't want to tell too much because it's a very it's a it's a really good watch okay uh kirk i haven't seen it uh to be honest i've heard about the movie you know i knew because you know irons won the oscar for it and everything but i really never even knew what it was about i didn't know it was a courtroom movie um so probably worth checking out and uh, Scott, I've actually never seen it either. Um, I I certainly know the the subject material. It's, it is based on a true story, but um, like like uh, Bowman said, but yeah, I, for some reason I've just I've just missed it. But I really should watch this one. Um, it seems up my alley for sure. Yeah, I had I'd never even heard of this when when Bowman brought it up, and then you're saying that he oh yeah he won the Oscar for it and everything. Wow. Uh, no, I'll definitely add this to the the list uh okay um let's move on to cody's next pick yeah i went back to that movie if like i wouldn't i've never even heard of it prior to the thing and when i watched it, i was like oh crap this movie has it needs to be talked about more uh i'm going with a fairly obvious one it's not the one that i've talked about in nauseam I, i'm in a tough pickle because both i could do that i'm gonna go um 
Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, no, I'm gonna go for the classic. I'm gonna go witness for the prosecution. Okay. I'm gonna go witness for the prosecution. Um, I've talked about the one that's <laughs> a nauseum almost, and I've talked about this one too. But this one is more that I think is still underseen compared to the other one. Um, witness for the prosecution is a fantastic courtroom drama. Um, especially set in like uh, England, where their system's a little bit. I think it's similar. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about law, but I don't know how like how it compares to our style and what we do. But it's such an interesting like um, uh, uh, story of basically a uh, lawyer Charles Lawton is like just recovering from coming out of the hospital. He's needed and asked to do like take on this case ends up taking it on it has so many twists and turns going back and forth i think all the performances are great who plays the 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 girl in the this movie arlene Dietrich, yeah yeah outstanding incredible in this movie she's probably like the standout of this uh movie <laughs> um she has multiple layers to her performances and that's all i'll say about that um but again Billy Wilder, of a classic director, gets a lot of praise, a lot. I think he deserves a lot of this praise. But this is one of those movies that, when I watched it, went straight up my top 100, and it stayed at my top 100. Um, yeah, it's it's got some twists and turns. Overall, Charles Lawton is a fantastic actor. Uh, I don't think he gets talked about as much as he probably should have been that, an actor of the cla- uh, in the classic era. So, yeah, I tell everybody to check this one out. Um, yeah, you told me months ago that I would like really like this, and um, I've been told I think Boatman also said recommended this to me. Um, but I, I haven't gotten to it yet. But like I said earlier about the classics, I feel like this is definitely one that I would like. Um, so it's on my radar. Um, I just need to actually get down. The best way for let's be real, the best way for me to get to watch this, put it on 4K. Kino Libor or somewhere. Put it on 4K. You just put the apartment on 4K. I bought it. I finally watched it. Put this one on 4K. Then I'll watch it. Uh, but no, I'm excited too. I've heard only ridiculously good things. So um, it is on. Is it streaming anywhere? I, I don't know. I think it's on. I think it's on. I know it's on my venue, but other than that. Oh, okay. That's well, this maybe this is one we watch, Cody, this weekend then. Uh, or something. Oh, good. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would like to. Uh, okay, uh, Bowman, what do you think about this one? Brilliant movie. Uh, Marlene Dietrich's performance is so good, and it's hard to talk about specifically why her performance is so good without spoiling the movie. Like, for people who've seen the movie, they know what I'm talking about, but people who haven't, I don't want to spoil it because not everyone has seen this. But yeah, it's really good. Lawton is also just one of those classic actors who, like, Heck yeah, anytime he does anything. Uh, Kirk. I've seen it. It's been a while. I remember really liking it, but I have to get a rewind. Uh, Scott. Amazing film. Um, it, you know, was, <laughs> I watched it for the first time and I was in like eighth or ninth grade. I can remember watching it on Turner Classic Movies. And uh, it's been one of my favorites ever since. Um, it has great moments of like levity too that come from Charles uh, Lawton's character. 
um, and especially his relationship with his nurse, with Elsa Lancaster um, as his nurse, like their their uh, dynamic is so funny. Um, and then, yeah, the courtroom scenes are are great, just like in A Few Good Men. Like, I love when he cr crosses the old lady who can't hear and he like throws his voice basically to like demonstrate how she can't hear. And he's like, you identified the voice unmistakably as? And then he just like drops his voice and is like, the prisoner, Leonard Vole. And then everyone goes crazy and he's like, no further questions. Just like the way he says it is so perfect. Um, it's a great movie. All right. Uh, we will go to my next pick. Um, so when I was thinking about this topic, I think Cody knows where I'm going. Uh, when I was thinking about this topic, I was, I, like I said, I, I Googled like courtroom movies. I was trying to think of like what I could come up with. And then I had to think about like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to make it through this. Um, what is more demeaning or what, what's like a more exciting case in the law than whether or not someone is a person? And that is exactly the type of thing we explore in the intense courtroom drama, Ted 2. Um, we explore in this film that is Ted a person? Is he real? Uh, do we actually uh, look at Ted as a, a human or property? Um, all of this, Bowman thinks I'm joking. This is my pick. Uh, I'm dead serious. Uh, no, I actually, this is totally 100% my pick. I'm being facetious, but this is a courtroom. This is a legal drama and I fucking love it. Everyone knows how much I love Ted. Um, I, I, I strongly love that first movie. And honestly, uh, 2021 was the year I bumped Ted up to five stars because I said, you know what? those people can't keep me down i love this movie it's perfect it's it's a tim movie <laughs> five stars to me that's all that matters ted 2 is close it's close to getting there uh i actually i i, I genuinely really like the movie uh i think it's hilarious but also like i actually do really love the court stuff it's stupid um but i feel like it, it mixes my favorite stuff about comedy and then courtroom stuff and puts it in one package, and I'm into that. And they spend a good long while on the court stuff in this movie. It's like the main plot of the film is going to trial, trying to find out if uh, if Ted is property or or uh, his own thing. Um, and it actually, again, you can make fun of me all you want, but it actually hits some like pretty interesting like emotional beats for like a movie that by all means is a stoner comedy they actually talk about stuff like ted is married and they completely get rid of his like completely take away his marriage legally and like that type of it's actually like an interesting thing when you break it down um really stupid fucking movie but i think really hilarious and uh i this is the first thing i thought of when we thought of courtrooms because i knew everyone was gonna be like witness for the prosecution and 12 angry men and then tim would be here like 10 2 bitches let's fucking go uh so the first film better movie but ted 2 better courtroom better film yeah be be a better film yeah morgan freeman <laughs> plays a lawyer in this it's great. Uh, it, it, it's a great film. Fuck yeah. Cody, let's watch it this week. Uh, <laughs> Boatman, have you seen? I know you've seen Ted 1. Have you seen Ted 2? 
No. <laughs> oh, you gotta, you gotta do it. You liked the first one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'm saying, do I? Do I have to? Like, oh, you don't have to. You should. Uh, Cody, ten two. Um. So I knew Tim was gonna bring this movie up when I saw his shit eating grin when he was like trying to talk about it, like when he was thinking about should I bring it up? Um, my friend um has problems because um he likes a lot of the sequels of comedies that I just don't love the sequels of. Like I don't love Ted Two, I don't love Anchorman Two, um. I probably wouldn't like Step Brothers too, but he would probably love that movie too. Like, so uh, um, he he likes to chuckle. So um, I'm glad that a teddy bear can. This sure as hell counts. Like again, this is a. I mean, is the law correct? God no, but is it fun to watch? Sure, I guess for him. But uh, nothing will beat the first Ted. Nothing will beat the first Ted. So oh, movie magic. Yeah. Or is the floor on the shit? Or, or is the floor on the shit? Um this this movie, sorry, I gotta I gotta jump back in before before Kirk and Scott <laughs> tear me apart. Before Kirk and Scott just rip me a new one. Um there's a scene in this movie that I don't think I've la- I, I laugh so hard every time, and it's Liam Neeson bringing him back up, walking into the grocery store with a box of trick cereal. Uh, or trying to lead, try to pay for it, but he's like, "Now I've heard these. The cereal is made exclusively for children. Uh, yeah, but anybody could just buy it and, and and go. So if I buy this cereal, you promise I won't be followed? Uh, no, we do not have that in the budget. Just like that whole scene is so fucking dumb, but amazing. And that that is this movie. Like the first one is actually like has like." very this this one too has a very coherent story but this one especially is filled with just like little like family guy vignettes like that that are just so fucking hilarious uh anyway kirk uh go ahead and make me sad i've never seen ted 2 but when you start talking about uh going to court to determine if somebody's a person or not uh you reminded me of one of the all-time great star trek next generation episodes measures of a man uh, where there's a Starfleet officer who wants to basically claim data as property for Starfleet and tear him apart and figure out how he works. And uh, Captain Card has to defend him because of weird Starfleet rules and TV. Uh, William Riker is the uh, prosecution and has to prove that data is not a person. Yeah. And uh, it is great episode. It is what a Picard gives one of his all time great Picard speeches. And if you like courtroom drama and any media, I recommend checking out that episode, Measure of Man, but I've never seen Ted 2. Uh, that is like the literal plot of Ted 2. And I know Seth MacFarlane is a huge Star Trek fan, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Scott. Um, Tim, you haven't even seen like Philadelphia or something. I have <laughs> seen Philadelphia, which is also a five-star movie, but but I got to stay on brand right. sometimes. I, gotta stay I on haven't brand. seen this. I haven't seen Ted 1 either. Scott, do yourself a favor, man. I don't watch comedies. Get yourself an Apache helicopter. An Apache helicopter has missiles and a machine gun. It is a totally <laughs> comparable piece of machinery. An absolute death machine. <laughs> uh, anyway. Woo! Okay. Uh, we're going to move on to Kirk. Kirk, 
What's your next pick? Okay, I haven't narrowed down to two, and I can't decide, so I'll leave it up to you guys. Should I go with kind of like the more like standard, fair courtroom pick, or should I go with the pick that's a little more out of left field? <laughs> we did the YLS episode with most of the standard picks, so I say get weird. Yeah, yeah, go left. Okay, I'm definitely going to go with a movie that you don't really consider at all as a courtroom movie, but it is. Uh, I'm going to go with Rashomon. Um, because at Rashomon, if you haven't seen it, the whole framing device, it's famous for having the different uh, perspectives of different people in the same situation. Um, but the framing device is, it is a, um, it's a trial. Uh, the story at hand is a murder and they're trying to determine the guilt of innocence of the, of the, uh, the, the killer. Um, the story is great. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody knows Rashomon and just the influence it's had, you know, movies like, um, you know, the last duel a couple years ago came or last year came out and, um, kind of really follows that path of just seeing the same situation through a different set of eyes and just the way, you know, things are slightly different or look different. It's really uh, well made that way. Uh, but the courtroom stuff, a lot of fun. Uh, the, the, the story itself is kind of the main story is kind of serious. Uh, the courtroom stuff, I wouldn't say is, is it's not comic relief, but it's, it, it kind of like takes a little bit of the air out of it. Gives you a little break. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Toshiro Mifune is the, uh, the, the accused killer. And he is just completely off the hook in this. He is just going nuts. Um, he, you know, he's basically like laughing at the whole thing. Like he knows he's guilty. He doesn't care. And he's just kind of having fun with the whole thing. Uh, one of the witnesses in the trial is the ghost of the victim who possesses a medium and gives uh, their perspective of it. And everybody's just like, yeah, okay, we'll accept it. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a great movie. But like I said, the courtroom stuff um, that you don't think about is, is a lot of fun too. So um, figure where, where they making the list. This sounds awesome. Um, one of my last four challenges for the video store letterbox challenge is the Akira Kurosawa movie. You might've just convinced me. I've been waiting to watch Yo Jimbo, but this might, this might be the one now. This is one of the shorter ones too. So that's, that's nice. Ooh. Yeah. You just sold me even more. Uh, so I haven't seen it obviously, but I've been sold. Uh, Scott, have you seen this? No, it's funny. You say that though, Tim, because uh, I, for my challenge that I'm doing, I'm also doing a Kurosawa film in like two weeks. And um, I believe I have Rashomon slated down to do. So I'll be watching it soon. And I'm sure I'm going to love it because I have seen two Kurosawa films and they were both five stars. So Nice. Uh, Bowman. Yeah, this uh, movie's really good. This was the first Kurosawa I saw. And I like this one a lot. The It's been a while since I've seen it, but like the shifting perspectives is like the iconic thing about this movie. And I love those types of stories. So yeah, excellent. Cody, what about you? I haven't seen it, but if you and I hang out, we can watch this on two times speed and get it done in 44 minutes. Nice. I was going to say, yup. Y'all are going to have to watch these on two times speed if you watch every movie that you said you're going to watch when you're together. Oh, no. We're doing nothing. We're, to get, we're together for four days. so Just just make sure you squeeze drive my car in there somewhere. You know. Uh, uh, only if we can skip the first 45 minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll just two times speed in the first 45 minutes because it didn't really get going in the first 45. Uh, okay. Uh, let's move over to Scott for your second pick. Um, yeah, I I picked this movie when we did YLS, but I'm going to pick it again because it's still my mission to make sure everyone in the community watches it. 
um, Dark Waters. Hell yeah. Um, I love this movie. Uh, I know Cody doesn't love it as much as I do, but um, this is, I think this movie belongs because um, it is the best movie I've seen about like corporate law and what corporations can do to like real people um, when they get involved in lawsuits. You know, a civil action is another movie that uh, similar also environmental uh, law set up, but I think this one does it a little bit better, but yeah, this is about, it's a true story about this guy, Rob Ballot, who's a lawyer in Cincinnati, uh, played by Mark Ruffalo, um, who gets involved. He's he's a big corporate lawyer. He doesn't really um, represent individuals, but through his family in West Virginia, he gets involved um, with these people who have been poisoned in the water by DuPont's chemical dumping, um, DuPont being the company that makes Teflon. Um, and as he begins investigating, he realizes uh, he, you know, he uncovers kind of a, a conspiracy and a cover up within DuPont and how, you know, they know what they're doing and, and the effects that it has on people, but they don't care. But it turns into this like decade long lawsuit um, and some of the people involved like pass away. It takes like a huge physical toll on Rob Balot on Mark Ruffalo's character. And obviously he's giving an incredible performance like this is the type of movie he's just like so locked in on always. Um, and, um, and like I said, it just goes to show like how these big corporations like DuPont, um, can be so morally bankrupt and use the, use the system basically, um, and use their immense wealth to suck the life out of people quite literally in some, um, instances and drag these lawsuits on for years and years until the people, you know, either pass away or give up because they can't afford to like keep fighting the lawsuit and paying a lawyer for it um and so it's it you know it can be a, a depressing story at times but it's a very important one and i think there is a measure of hope at the end that this guy rob Ballot, after all this he keeps on fighting um and hathaway plays his wife i think she has some good moments tim robbins is the, the his boss and he's really solid in the movie and uh bill camp is is amazing in this movie he plays the uh, west virginia farmer who first gets um, uh, Mark Ruffalo involved with the case. Um, it's it, you may look at the subject matter and think it's not super interesting, but trust me, the way uh, the at the engrossing nature of the story, you will get wrapped up in it. And Todd Haynes is such a great filmmaker, and the way he works with Edward Lackman, the cinematographer here, the way this movie is shot, it's so dark and sickly and gray. Um, it just makes you feel a particular way. Um, it's just excellent all across the board. Yeah, I saw this in the theater back in 2019, and I I really en oh bye Tim watch Spotlight Cody have you seen watch Spotlight <laughs> over this um oh he's oh, why he's not both uh, um because this movie's boring no, um. It, it, it is, sir. Um, but overall, I think maybe if I rewatched it, I might like it more. But I think Barr talked about it a lot. Like, he enjoyed it. And I was just like, really? So I checked it out. Again, Barr's picks normally suck. But um, uh, he's back. I think he's back. I think he also, might jo Joseph in the chat, scroll back like maybe 40 minutes on the video because uh, you might find something interesting there as far as the insider goes. Yeah, but overall, uh, don't love it. Yes. 
Uh, I was saying I, I saw this back in the theater when it came out. Really liked it then. Um, I should probably give it a rewatch. Um, but I've I got a lot of other stuff to watch. But I, I liked it a lot when it came out. It was one of my. It was probably in the, my top thirty of that year. So yeah. Um, who? So Cody just talked about it. Boatman, did you? I have not seen it. Kirk, what about you? I haven't seen it. Um, sounds like a very Scott movie. Um, probably, you know, obviously very important. Uh, you know, well written out. I probably wouldn't love it. Um, but it's pr- also probably an objectively pretty good movie. Okay. Um, so that's everybody for Dark Waters, right? Okay. So the list is up on Letterboxd. Go over there and check it out. Um, everything we talked about tonight going to be up on the Letterboxd. Uh, and then we're going to close out the show by talking about our uh, movie of the month, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, like I said at the top, life was hell this week. Uh, had a lot going on. I really wanted to get to this, but I have the day off tomorrow, my first day off in, in, in a minute. So I will I will be watching it tomorrow, and uh, I will be able to talk about it in uh, a couple weeks here. So, um Bowman, you want to start us off on talking about it tonight? Sure, yeah. This is a an incredible movie. Love the dynamic. Like this is a movie that is built off the dynamics of the three characters, and these three characters are like so great. I love Eli Wallach as Tuco. Like that performance is so fun because he's such like a Weasley character. Believe in Cleef and Clint Eastwood are great too. The one thing Leone was like great at was character introductions. And he has three great separate introductions for all of these characters. Uh, love love this movie. That final uh, shootout is iconic for a reason. Fantastic. Um, what would you give it, Bowman? Uh, four and a half out of five. Perfect. Cody. Uh, so I watched this the first time for Top 100 with Jake. Um, loved it. Rewatched it re- today. Um, it got it got better for me. Um, Lee Van Cleef um, is outstanding in this movie. I think he's absolutely incredible. When you're bringing up introductions, that shot where he's at the doorway and he's making his way into the room is like one of the most like you know this guy is somebody you don't want to mess with. I think that's exactly where Tarantino also gets uh, from *Inglorious Bastards* the milk scene, because of that. How that entire how he's able to start talking to him and seems normal, and then it switches like on a dime, and he gets very like uncomfortable by it. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible. The shootout is great, but yeah, leaving Cleve, I want to watch more stuff with him in it. The the fact is, I watched this. And I said the same thing last time, and I didn't watch anything. But I, I'm making a point. The score, the buildup, and again, like some things, like overstay their welcome. Like there, are, there are there are numerous times I'm like, oh, could this go? But I think that what he does so well in this movie is the tension he's able to build throughout it. Like if it moved faster or if it moved at a quicker pace, I think the tension's not as great, especially in that final shootout. It's not as like interesting um i think the dialogue is really smart in this movie too i think that is something that is for a three-hour movie the dialogue has to keep you attached to it the full time and i think this movie does i think 
of the movies that walk the line of like talked about classics, does it live up? This is one that deserves all the praise it gets and all the, the hype. What would you give it, Cody? Five stars. Nice. Okay. Uh, Kirk. I've seen it. Um, I, I'm back in a couple weeks, and I want to try and give it a, a, a fresh watch before I talk about it. Um, although I do want to call out Payson Johnson. I was watching the show last week, and he said he assumed Clint Eastwood played the ugly. And I don't know what he's talking about, because young Clint Eastwood is one of the most beautiful human beings that's ever walked the face of this earth. So <laughs> was he joking? No, no. He said that's what he thought. He, he was surprised, but he wasn't the ugly. Um, yeah, Scott Eastwood's a good-looking guy, but he looks like a total pile of crap next to his dad in his prime. So I don't know what Payson's talking about. By four Scott years. Eastwood catching a stray. <laughs> I think, like, I, I think uh, the only thing that's weird about that, I think everybody of that movie is pretty quick to, like, as soon as the introductions, you can determine who's all the people pretty quickly, in my opinion. I don't know, but whatever. Uh, so, okay, so Kirk will get your review uh, in a couple weeks. Um, Scott. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I actually thought this was next week, so um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. I have seen the movie before. It has been some time, um, but I remember really enjoying it um, and, you know, agreeing with what everyone says here. I, um, I wish I had more to say. It is one that I'm definitely due for a rewatch on. So I don't know if I'm going to be back on before the end of the month, but I will try to rewatch it regardless. But if it matters, I think I have it at like four and a half or something on Letterboxd. Okay. I will put that down. If I have it logged. Yeah. No, I will put that down. Um, yeah. To to uh, call out Joseph. Who Joseph, I love you, man. But uh, me and Boatman, we host the show. I'm not going to mark us as not watching it because we can do whatever we want. But Kirk, you bet your ass I just put in the review. Kirk hasn't rewatched it yet. Me and Caleb don't matter though. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is going to be it for this. I show. love the way you talk. Thank you. That's going to be it for the show today. Next week is Guilty Pleasures, hosted Volume Two, uh, hosted by Caleb Boatman. So that'll be Boatman with uh, three others. I forget who is on the panel. I want to say it's Garth, uh, and then there's two others <laughs> that I cannot think of off the top of my head that are going to be on that. Um, that filled up pretty quickly. And then the week after that, Boatman is off and I will be hosting uh, over the top action movies. Like Kirk said, he will be on that. I forget who else is on that one, but that we have a full panel for that already as well. Probably Brian. Probably Brian. Yeah. I don't like, I guess Mike. I don't think Brian is on that. Uh, wow. It's almost like I could just look this shit up. So Boatman's show next week is going to be uh, Garth. Uh, Brooklyn, uh, Pinchuk, and Boatman. Uh, that's going to be next week. And then the There's week. Who? There. The... Pinchuk and who? Uh, Brooklyn and Garth. Oh, Boatman. <laughs> Stop that is it. going to be a show. Stop it. And then the week after that, over the top action movies. Uh, okay, so you were right about Mike Hanley, Kirk. Uh, Jake Marangoni, Jake Meltzer, and myself. So that's going to be oh, uh, the final. That, that'll be a fun show. Uh, <laughs> and we will have the uh, October stuff very soon. 
Can't believe that's where we're already getting towards. Holy shit, this year's going by fast. But um, I want to thank everybody here uh, for the show tonight. Keeping it under two hours. I like to see it. We will see you guys next time uh, with Guilty Pleasures Volume 2. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening.